This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. Go with me, if you would, to Psalm 78. Psalm 78. And that's where we're going to find ourselves this evening. And uh, it was interesting, as your pastor mentioned Psalm 78 this morning in his message, and uh, as the Lord has used this portion of Scripture in my life many of times, and uh, so I pray that I can be a help and a blessing to you this evening once again. Brother Dwayne Hickman is one of my spiritual heroes. Uh, he probably does not know that. He probably just views himself as a basketball coach in my life. Uh, but I was telling Brother Troy, we were talking about it just the other day. Uh, I remember the many times we'd have basketball practice. And I don't know if you remember this. Uh, I can't help but call you coach. Uh, but we'd go into basketball practice and we'd sit there in our chairs for about 45 minutes and we'd just glean some wisdom. And he'd just begin talking and sharing his heart. And then we'd have some practice for about 15, 20 minutes and we'd be dismissed. And... Uh, and I appreciate it so much. You know, now that I'm pastoring, uh, I've told many stories about my time at Crown and Coach Hickman and the time there. And I always say, well, Coach Hickman said this. And so uh, I'm thankful for him and thankful for his influence in my life. Psalm 78, if you would. Psalm 78, if you find yourself there, I'm going to read one portion of uh, Scripture here. And then we're just going to walk through this psalm for just a few moments. I preached this portion of Scripture, Psalm 78, for the first time in 2015. I'll share with you a little bit as to why this, this psalm has just worked in my life personally. Over time, now that I have been pastoring the church for three years this upcoming September, I've been tempted to ask this question that you find in verse 19. Look with me if you would. Psalm 78, verse 19, the Bible says this, Yea, they spake against God, they said, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? If you were to go on and you begin to read this portion of Scripture, you'll find yourself being encouraged as you begin to see how good God was to them. As you begin to read this portion of Scripture, you begin to see in verses 10, 11, and 12 on down, the Bible says this in verse 10, They kept not the covenant of God and refused to walk in His law and forgot His works and His wonders that He had showed them. Marvelous things did he in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt in the field of Zoan. He divided the sea and caused them to pass through, and he made the waters to stand as in heap. In the daytime also he led them with a cloud and all the night with a light of fire. He claved the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink as out of the great depths. He brought streams also out of the rock and caused waters to run down like rivers." And they sinned yet more against him by provoking the Most High in the wilderness. And they tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lust. Notice again, verse 19. Yea, they spake against God. They said, Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? This evening we're going to look at this portion of Scripture. And I very simply want to encourage you. I made a decision back in 2015 that never again would I say or make the statement or ask the question, Can God? Many times during that time in my life, I remember I was a senior at Crown College during this time when Psalm 78 just began to stick out to me. 
I remember my senior year wanting to, uh, to just give this devotion in our dorm at the time. And I never did speak on Psalm 78. I never could just, uh, the Lord just never allowed me that opportunity. I never felt comfortable. But it wasn't until just a couple of weeks before I got married, I went back to Columbus, Georgia, and the Lord began to work in my heart on this portion of Scripture. You see, for some reason, before I had gotten married, all these questions began to arise. Well, can God, uh, can God use me at Gateway Baptist Church as I try to be a help to the pastor? Can God begin to use me as I lead my family? I'm about to marry a young lady. Can I be the husband that she needs me to be? Can I be the father that one day, Lord willing, I will be? All of these questions to be, began to rise in my mind. I mean, remember asking question after question after question. Can God do this and can God do this? Can he, can he provide here and can he show me this? And all of a sudden I come to Psalm 78 again. Can God? And it's as though as I was reading this psalm that God said, haven't I provided every other time? Why are you asking this question? Can I do it again? And I'll share with you that since 2015, by the grace of God, I've been reminded of this psalm any time I've been tempted to say, can you, Lord? I'll share a couple of stories, and then we'll just begin right walking through. There was a time just a couple of months ago, it was about a year, and uh, going on two years ago, I guess now. My daughter is 18 months old. And I remember she was just born. And I remember we were in the hospital up at Vanderbilt Hospital. She was born. We spent about 24 hours in the hospital after she was born, and then we were able to go home, and all of a sudden we had to go back, and she wasn't gaining the weight, and she was... Uh, sickly at the, at the time, and so we took her to the, to the hospital. They sent us up to Vanderbilt Hospital, which is about 45 minutes away from us in Nashville. And I remember they were running some tests, and there were some concern there, and I remember we spent uh, about six days, I believe, there. And I, I remember my in-laws had come in. We had church family that was praying for us. We had people across the, the, the nation who knew us who was praying for us as our daughter was in the hospital. And I remember as I went home one night, my mother-in-law stayed at the hospital with my wife, and I went home, and I sat down, and we were waiting on one result to come back. This one result would determine if she was going to be in a serious condition that something had entered into her bloodstream, or if there was something that they believed at that very moment they could treat, and she'd be sent home. I remember I walked through the door, and I had just sat down in the chair. My wife called me. She said, we just got, the, the, the doctor or the nurse has just come in and they're afraid it has entered into her bloodstream. And I remember sitting in that chair, I was going home just to get some rest and to study as we were going to be coming up on a Sunday. And I remember sitting in that chair and the thought crossed my mind, Lord, can you? And it's in that moment, Psalm 78 came to my mind. And he said, hey, I've been faithful. Just trust me. Just trust me one more time. I've been faithful through this whole process. You've had people all across this nation praying for you. You've got a church family who's taking care of everything while you're away. You've got people that are family members who are taking care of your other son and, and taking care of all the many things. Just trust me. The results came back and they said, it hasn't entered into her bloodstream. And I remember sitting there and thinking, Lord, I was tempted to say, can you? But I'm thankful for Psalm 78 reminding me that he's done it time and time and time again. We come to this portion of Scripture this evening because I wonder if there's one here this evening who is asking the question, Lord, can you? 
It might be a mother who is praying for a child and she's saying, Lord, can you get a hold of his heart? Can you get a hold of her heart? It might be a, a church member who's worried about something. They're saying, Lord, can you do this? Can you do that? Can you handle this? It might be a preacher who might be coming to this meeting here in a couple of days and they're worried and concerned about their church. And one great church member in Tabernacle Baptist Church could start praying for them because of the burden that they have. And time and time again, I believe as God's children, we see Him being faithful every single step of the way. But yet we're still tempted to ask that question. Lord, can you do it again? Lord, you, you did it that time, but this time it's, it's, it's hard. Lord, can you do it again? We're going to look at Psalm 78 here in just a moment. As we read verse 19 one more time, and then we'll go to the Lord in prayer. The Bible says, Yea, they spake against God. They said, Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Lord, we do thank you. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity that you've given me to preach. Lord, I thank you for who you are. Lord, I thank you for the music that we've been able to sing. I thank you for the choir. I thank you for Pastor Hooks in this great church. Lord, I thank you for the spirit that is within this place, Lord, this morning and tonight, and Lord, the fellowship, the sweet, sweet people. Lord, now as we come to Psalm 78, Lord, I pray that you would help us. Lord, that you would begin to do a work that you desire to do. Lord, that we would have our hearts prepared and ready. And Lord, that we would respond. I pray that you would, Lord, empty me of self. Lord, forgive me of sin and fill me with your spirit this evening. I pray as we heard the song this morning, we preach Christ. Lord, that that would be the testimony of the service this evening. And I'll thank you for it. And it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Psalm 78, as you go all the way to the very beginning, the Bible says, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old. I remember being in the dorm at one point in time and my youth director now had come over and he was preaching to our dorm and I remember him reading that very phrase right there. I remember him coming to the dorm and reading that phrase, I will utter dark sayings of old. As you begin to study Psalm 78, I'm just going to, we're not going to highlight everything. It's a long psalm. I encourage you to go and study it yourself. You'll draw some encouragement just from this psalm alone. But the first eight verses, you begin to see that there's a attention called for immediately. And then in verses 5 on down to verse 8, he's calling attention to all of these many things. The Bible says this in verse 5. It says, For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children. That the generation to come might know them, even the, gener uh, the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. It might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright, and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. Verses 1 through 8, you immediately see that there's a tension called for as he begins to highlight what has taken place and the desire that should be there. In verses 9 through 39, you begin to study out the history of Israel. And he begins to mention the many things that God did during this time in history. As you pass through and you come to verse 40, you begin to see that in verses 40 through 55, there's settlement in Canaan. And he begins to highlight the many things that take place there. And then he closes out... In verses 56 through 72, again dealing with Israel, the mercies of God to Israel contrasted with their ingratitude and what's taking place. And so this evening, we're going to highlight and find ourselves in these verses that would summarize the history of Israel as it is mentioned and dealt with immediately. 
Verse 19, obviously, is our text. We find ourselves reading one more time. Yea, they spake against God. They said, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? I want you to notice the condition of the people. The condition of the people was very simply, as we begin to study them out in this passage of Scripture, the first thing that we notice about their condition is that they were faithless. They were faithless. You begin to see here, look with me in verse 12, because in verse 12, before we get to verse 19, after you read verse 12 on down to verse 16, you couldn't help but say, can God do it again? If you were to, to, to look back and you read these verses, marvelous things did he in the sight of their fathers. In the land of Egypt, in the field of Zoan, he divided the sea and caused them to pass through, and he made the waters to stand as in heap. In the daytime also he led them with a cloud, and all the night with a light of fire. He clave the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink as out of great depths. He brought streams also out of the rock and caused the waters to run down like rivers. And they sinned yet more against him by provoking the Most High in the wilderness. And they tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lust. Yea, they spake against God. They said, Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Notice what the Bible says in verse 20. It says, Behold, he smote the rock and the waters gushed out. And the streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Can he provide flesh for his people? Therefore the Lord heard this and was wroth. So a fire was kindled up against Jacob, and the anger also came up against Israel. They were faithless. I remember during my time when I was on staff for about a year, I remember Brother Dalton and I would talk often. I would come into the office and he would be sitting there and we'd just spend some time talking about uh, the many things of, of, of a church, uh, the Word of God. we talk about each other. Him and I were polar opposites. He's a country boy if I've ever met one. He, he'd talk about hunting. He'd talk about fishing. He'd talk about coon dogs. He'd talk about all of those things. The only thing I knew of growing up was sports. And so that we were totally different. We'd laugh about it. And so he'd tell me stories. I'd tell him stories. I'd ask him about this. He said, never heard of it. He'd ask me something and said, never heard of it. That's just our personalities. We were totally different. But I love him. And I appreciate a statement he made one time. He was talking to me. He said, Josh, he said, faith is needing God to do a work and trusting him to do it. I remember we were talking about the faith life. We were talking about all the many things that go into just trusting the Lord. The transition for him as he was stepping away from pastoring was a hard transition. He started the church in the year 2000 and he saw God work in many, many ways. He saw God be able to save people that he'd been praying for. I remember right as they were, they, were, they had just left and they had been praying for, uh, I believe it was uh, his wife's mother or a family member. I can't remember the exact one. They've been praying for this individual for years. And we got a report one day. She was still on our prayer bulletin on Wednesday evenings. And we got a report that we could take her name off of salvation because she accepted Christ as her personal Savior. Amen. I remember that being a testament of his faith, just knowing God would answer this prayer. But I believe sometimes, if we're not careful, that we lose this battle between the faith and the flesh right at the beginning. You see, our flesh wants to deny what God has already done. Our flesh wants to say, look, he might have done it, but he might not can handle it this time. You see, we often think that God doesn't care about what we're going through. We often think that God doesn't hear or understand what is going on. My son is two years old. I've shared this story with our church about 45 times, so I haven't told you yet, so you can't get tired of it yet. But we ride in the van, and his favorite song that comes on in our van is, He Knows My Name. We FaceTime, I FaceTime Brother Troy every once in a while, and uh, we talk occasionally, and he'll, he'll start to sing that song. And he'll only, it's, it's as though he's on repeat with that phrase. 
He doesn't know any other part of the song. He just knows he knows my name. And I remember I'll be driving, and I'm just like, son, you don't know, but he does know your name. Praise the Lord he knows my son's name. Praise the Lord he knows your name this evening. And as you begin to think about the faith life, notice with me what it says in verse number 20. It says, Behold, he smote the rock. You see, in verse number 19, it says, Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Behold, he smote the rock, and the waters gushed out, and the streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Can he provide flesh for his people? I remember the story I had come across. I, I love studying and, and reading stories about great revivals that have taken place. I love studying. I pray for revival. I'm thankful that I'm going to be able to spend some time with Brother Polly this upcoming week. The Lord's using him in an extremely mighty way. I'm excited about it. But I'm reminded of the story one time of a, a preacher who was in the, in the state of Texas. And he wanted this evangelist to come in and to preach for him. And he kept calling this evangelist, and this church at the time was a pretty large church, and this evangelist was telling the story. He said, look, he said, I only, I only go into small churches. He said, I just, I just can't go into a church that's large. It's just, a, it's, it's just not my thing. He, he said, I, I can't do it. And this preacher continued to ask him, would you come and preach for me? Would you come and preach for me? Would you come and preach for me? Finally, the, the evangelist says, okay, we're, I'll, I'll come and I'll preach for you. This evangelist goes to the state of Texas and begins to preach a revival meeting. As he's there, he's preaching, and there's a it's a tent, it's a two-week-long revival meeting. They have a tent set up, and the only day that they don't have services on Saturdays. For two straight weeks, they're preaching. He's preaching. He's preaching. He's preaching. He had saw uh, some souls being saved. But I remember it was the, the story as it goes. It was the very last night before it'd be the final service. So it was a it was it started on a Sunday and it went all the way to Friday. Started on us, so it was a Thursday. This Thursday comes up and the preacher stands before his people and he says, listen, he says, we're going to have a, a, a prayer meeting over in the other building. We're just going to pray. We're going to read some scripture. We're going to sing some hymns. We're going to do multiple of that over and over until the Lord just meets with us and dismisses us. That evangelist is standing right here very simply. and He, he says, you've done it now. You've gotten these people here for the last two weeks and now you're asking them to stay after the service and continue to stay and pray and sing hymns and all of these many things. And so they go over there. He has about 25 people show up. That evangelist was simply there, and he he's ends this meeting in awe because what takes place during that night changed his entire perspective on faith. During that meeting, that prayer meeting, these, these 25 individuals began to pray. They'd pray for a little while, and then all of a sudden, one of the individuals would get up and they'd start to sing. And then all of a sudden, they'd stop for a moment and they'd start to testify of the goodness of God. After they share some testimonies, they'd start to sing some more. They'd start to pray some more. They'd start to testify some more. And all of a sudden, after about four hours, I think the, the, the story goes, it was about 2.30 in the morning, those people dismissed. He comes back that next evening. The preacher gets up there and he preaches. A hundred people got saved on the last night of the revival. And I remember listening to that story, and those types of stories stir my heart. I remember one more, I'll tell you, before we look at another characteristic of these people. There was a young girl. She was sitting in a church, and they'd been praying for her grandfather for years. She was sitting in the service, and the preacher got up, and evangelist got up and started preaching. He preached a salvation message. 
And all of a sudden the invitation was being given and all, all many people were coming and spending time at the altar. The, 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 the song leader is leading the music and this little girl is sitting right here on the front row. And all of a sudden she raises her hand and she starts to testify. She starts to talk about how good God's been. She thanks Him for His salvation. All of a sudden, that grandfather who's all the way in the back, they've been praying for for years, this young girl all of a sudden starts to hear people clapping. People amening. That grandfather starts to walk the aisle and accepted Christ as a personal Savior. Years and years of someone praying for Him. I wonder sometimes if we get so short in our prayer life, and we get so, so casual in our prayer life that we say, Lord, can you save this person? And we give up praying for them. Oh, what could God do with a group of people in a church and a, a group of people in this nation who just very simply, as Brother Johnny Pope was just with us, he said, pray the price. Pray the price. You see their faithlessness here in this portion of Scripture is God has worked. The Bible says in verses 12 on down that He did all of these many things and they still ask, can God? Not only do we see their faithlessness, but as you begin to see in verses 1 on down to 17, they were also forgetful. And the Bible says right here in verse 12, it says, Marvelous things did he in the sight of their fathers. In the land of Egypt, in the field of Zoan, he divided the sea and caused them to pass through, and he made the waters to stand as in heap. You go on and read all these many things that's taking place. But notice what it says in verse 11. It says this. It says, And forgot his works and his wonders that he had showed them. In verse 17 it says, And they sinned yet more against Him by provoking the Most High in the wilderness. You begin to see their forgetfulness. I wonder how often we forget how good God's been to us. There's a lot of things I haven't figured out in this life. I haven't figured out how to be the great pastor that the Lord has called me to be. I haven't figured out how to, to, to be a great husband yet necessarily. I haven't figured out how to be the greatest son or, or the greatest friend. I haven't figured out all of those things. But one thing I have figured out about my God is that He is faithful. One thing that I have figured out about my God is that He will provide. One thing that I have forget, figured out about my God is that any time I trust Him by faith and follow Him, He's going to show me exactly just how good He is. Go with me, if you would, just for a moment, if you would, go with me to Psalm 106. Psalm 106. This is a psalm we were just reading as a church just a couple of days ago. And the Bible says in Psalm 106, and I pray that this will encourage you to continue to meditate on the goodness of God. The Bible says in Psalm 106, verse 1, Praise ye the Lord. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good. His mercy endureth forever. We were closing out of service just a couple of days ago, and, and on Sunday evenings, occasionally we will have testimony time, and our people will give testimonies of what God is doing. Answers to prayer, they'll thank the Lord for salvation. I remember and we had a, a gentleman in our church, a gentleman who is uh, older in our church who I, I have created a, a, a relationship, and he has, he has served in many areas in our church, but he's never sung before, never sung a solo before. And so this last Sunday night, two, two, two weeks ago, actually, he te I texted him and said, hey, do we, have the, do we have the finances to get some new microphones? We need some new microphones. And uh, he said, if you will let me sing happy birthday to you next Sunday. I said, you're not going to be here next Sunday. He said, okay, if you'll let me sing a solo the next Sunday. I said, deal. If we can get new, if we can get new microphones and you can sing happy birthday to me, I'll do it. You can sing a solo in exchange for new microphones. Let me just tell you, 
I was nervous that Sunday night when he was singing that solo. He gets up, and it's his turn to sing a solo, and he brings up this long piece of paper. He, he wrote a book, and he starts to talk about all these many things and, and how God has been good to him, what God has done. And they, he had a group of young children in our church, and, man, he, he, he started a choir. We had children over here. He had four gentlemen right next to him. I mean, he, he started, I said, this was only supposed to be a solo, and I heard all of them singing, but I still didn't hear your solo. And he had the children singing this little out of mine. And all of a sudden, he led into God is so good. And as I was sitting there, Psalm 106 came back to my mind. You know, sometimes if we're not careful, we forget just how good our God is. And we walk around this life and we say, yeah, I've been blessed. You know, he's done this for me. He's done that. No, praise the Lord. He's done great and mighty things in your life. Hey, if all he ever did was give you salvation, that's enough to be thankful for not only do we see that there is forgetfulness in their life, but also we see also their foolishness. In verse 19, they ask the question, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? But then as he does this, in verse 20, the Bible says, Behold, he smote the rock, that the waters gushed out, and the streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Can he provide flesh for his people? So we see that they're, they're very simply foolish in what they're asking. But what is the cause of this condition? You see, we see the condition of these people, but what is the cause? Notice with me in verses 10, 11, the Bible says a couple of phrases here. I believe these phrases represent why they were asking these foolish questions. The Bible says here in verse 10, they kept not the covenant of God. But not only that, it says this, and refused to walk in His law. And then verse 11, and forgot His works and His wonders that He had showed them. I want to encourage you this evening, that phrase that might be creeping up into your mind here in a couple weeks, Lord, can you do this? I pray that as it creeps up in your mind, you'll look back on all the many things he's already done and he'll remind you, hey, I've been faithful every step of the way. Just trust me again. Just trust me to do this right now. Just trust me as you follow me. And so we see the condition of the people. We see the cause of this condition. But now notice with me a couple of things as we close talking about our Savior. We see the character of our Lord, the character of our Lord. Notice with me in verse 4, the Bible says this, We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He hath done. You begin to see immediately in verse 4 that He is a powerful Savior. We see right here that it says at the very end of this phrase in verse 4, And His strength and His wonderful works that He hath done. Not only do we see his power, but you begin to study out verses 5, 6, and 7. The Bible says this, For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them. Even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Notice that last phrase, but keep. His commandments. We see not only His power, but we also see that He has some promises for us. You know, there are certain times in my life when I just cling to those promises of God. There are certain times when I might be going through something difficult and all of a sudden I cling to a promise of God and say, Lord, you promised in your word. And I claim that promise. Brother Johnny Pope was recently with us. I had the opportunity of having a revival meeting at Gateway Baptist Church and I had my father-in-law and Brother Johnny Pope preaching. And they preached some great messages. The Lord really worked and used them in our church family. 
But I remember as he was preaching, Brother Johnny Pope is standing here and he's preaching and all of a sudden he is encouraging the people to pray the price. And he said, before you pray that price, he said, when you start out your prayers, start to praise him first. Praise him for who he is and what he's done. Praise him in all the many names of our Savior. He begins to just spout out all the many names. And I was just standing there in awe and I was like, man, that's my God. That's my Savior that he's talking about. And sometimes we're not careful. We'll forget about the promises of God for our lives. Not only that, you see in verse 4, as it closes, it says, His strength and His wonderful works that He hath done. In verses 12 through 16, you see all of these many things that it is dealing with. Marvelous things did He. It says in verse 13, He divided the sea. He made the waters to stand as in heat. In verse 14, it says, In the daytime also He led them with a cloud, and all the night with a light of fire. He claved the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink as that of the great depths. He brought streams also out of the rock and caused waters to run down like rivers. We see that our God is a performing God. You see, the great thing about our God is when we call on Him to do something, we can rest assured that it's going to be done. You see, all the many religions out there, they don't have that type of God. You see, their God is still in the grave. But up from the, road, uh, from the grave, our God arose. And we can claim these promises. We can look at the power of our God. But also, when we call on Him to answer something, we can rest assured that it's going to be done. Notice in verse 19, because they asked this question, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? They were just reminded of all that God had done. They were just reminded, hey, He did this and He did this. And they said, well, can He furnish a table in the wilderness? And notice in verse 20, He does exactly that. And then they asked the question, can He give bread also? Can He provide flesh for His people? As they were asking these things, he was showing them, hey, I can do it. I can do it. But also, go with me to verse 38. Because as you study out Psalm, chapter, Psalm 78, you'll see that they very simply tempted God and that many of the, the things that were going on were not pleasing to the Lord. As you back up, actually, go to verse 35. And the Bible says this in verse 35, And they remembered that God was their rock, and the high God their Redeemer. Nevertheless, they did flatter him with their mouth, and they lied unto him with their tongues. For their heart was not right with him, neither were they steadfast in his covenant. But he, being full of compassion, aren't you thankful we have a God who is full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not. Yea, many a time turned he his anger away and did not stir up all his wrath. We serve a God who is patient. You begin to see in Psalm 78 his patience being revealed. And so all of this takes place. And I wonder this evening if you are asking the question or being tempted to ask the question, Lord, can you? I'll close with this. I want to share just very simply a story. And it reminds me as I think back as a testimony, it's personal for me. I remember that I was in a revival meeting two years ago. And my stepfather and my mother had driven up to be with us for a couple of days. And uh, I remember that my stepdad was, made the statement, I wish we could stay for just another day. Well, something happened. I can't remember what it was. He's in the military. And he was able to stay one more day. I remember we were in the midst of that revival meeting. And all of a sudden... He asked me if I could take him to the airport. I said, yeah, I'll take you to the airport. My mom was going to stay for a little bit longer, but we had to get him to the airport. I said, what time do you have to leave? And I remember we had to get up at like 4.30 in the morning. Well, you already know in revival meetings you're tired. You're worn out. 
you're ready to get some rest. 4.30 in the morning just doesn't sound pleasing. And I remember waking up at 4.30 in the morning and driving straight to Nashville. Got there in about 45 minutes. No one else is on the road. Dropped him off. And I remember we were driving home. And I, I was driving home by myself, and I just started to pray. And it, I wasn't, I'd only been pastoring a little over a year. And I began to pray for our church family. I began to pray for the church finances. I began to pray for my wife and my children, or my child at the time. I began to pray for my family, for my brother-in-law and my sister-in-law. I began to pray for all of the many things the Lord was laying on my heart. And it's amazing because that praying quickly turned into praising Him for all that He had done in that last year. And I remember as I was praying, I remembered all of the many things that we were praying about. I was praying again for those, those church finances and the church ministries and all the many things. Isn't it amazing how God provides every step of the way what you need? As a church, as a family, as an individual, it's just in His timing. And I remember getting to the house, and I had turned some music on as I was pulling into the driveway, and I pull into the driveway, and our church finance man texted me later on that afternoon and said, hey, just want to let you know we received a very generous offering in the mail from a strange, just an anonymous. Right then and there, it was a reminder. God can He's done it every step of the way. So whatever you're praying about this evening, maybe you're praying about that one family member who isn't saved. Keep praying. Maybe you're praying about that situation that you think nobody knows about and you don't think God cares about. Keep praying. Just as faithful as He was back then, He's still faithful today. The God that He was yesterday, He is today. The God that He is today, He'll be tomorrow. And I pray that you'll never be tempted to ask the question once again, can God, because He's been faithful every single time. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.